Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson. Hello and welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name's Ian Child and I'm here with Mr. Richie Clapson. Hello everyone. And in this episode, Richie's going to be telling us all about the various work stages that uh, take place in property development, aren't you Richie? That's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about uh, how you need to break any development into key stages and what each of those are. And of course, I'm going to be uh, sharing how understanding these stages can really you know, help you, you know, really pull yourself together as a developer. Fantastic. Can't wait to hear all about that. So uh, so have you had a good week this week? Well, now you mention it, I've actually been a bit worried, really. A bit worried? I'm sorry mm. to, uh, to hear that. What are, you, what are you worried about? Is there anything I can do to help? Would you like to throw it open to the audience? Perhaps we could arrange a phone-in. Is it a, a sensitive personal issue? Do you, do you, do you know, I've often <laughs> thought it'd be really fun to have a, a kind of agony art slot on the podcast. Have you quite finished? The coffee machine's working, then, is it? <laughs> Look, no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking of having an agony on, and uh, and actually, wouldn't that technically have to be an agony uncle? No, 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 no. I'm thinking we could have a, a kind of like a, a guest agony on. You wouldn't fancy doing it yourself, then? Yeah, right. Can you imagine? Can you imagine us dealing with somebody's delicate personal problems? Oh, I reckon it'd be quite helpful, actually. To be fair, what by, by telling them well, pull pull yourself together and get a life? <laughs> yeah, that, it might be just what they need, though. It could mm, make a real not, difference. Not completely convinced, if I'm honest. Anyway, um, what are you, what are you worried about? Is it is it is it that nasty rash again? No, <laughs> it's 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 actually you that I'm worried about. Me. Okay, so I dread to think what uh, what why, why would you be worried about well, me? Because you've gradually been losing your memory, don't you think? No. At least uh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't actually remember. Yeah, very funny. Very funny. So what makes you think that I'm losing it in the uh, the memory department, Susan? <laughs> well, well, thank you. Uh, well, it's, it's the small things that I've started to pick up on. Like? Okay. Well, like the other day when uh, when uh, we're doing one of our live deal workshops okay you know we're doing it in a different hotel to last time yep. and i'm sitting there waiting patiently for you to arrive uh-huh and uh, when you don't turn up I, I i give you a quick call and you tell me you're about half an hour away one half hour right yeah well look okay you only live 15 minutes from that hotel so how could you be half an hour away that would be a challenge. I mean, even given your appalling driving skills. Oh, anyway, harsh. Well, but true. Basically, despite me reminding you the night before that we were in a different hotel, you forgot and went to the old one, which is completely the opposite direction. And if I hadn't rung you, you'd have been there, sat in the meeting room in a different hotel, doing a live deal all on your own. I think you're reading far too much into it. I was just running a little bit late, that's all. Well, look, I know that's not true, because when I reminded you about the hotel that, that we're in, I could hear this sort of sound of screeching tyres in the background, which I know is a telltale sign of the Ian Child spontaneous U-turn <laughs> that I've only ever experienced once, but never want to see or experience ever again. In fact... Oh, I get flashbacks from that. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. I may have temporarily misremembered the, the, the hotel. <laughs> misremembered. Uh, but that's just kind of one tiny lapse. I'm not exactly thinking it's symptomatic of, uh, you know, whole-scale memory loss. Okay, okay. What about the week before 
when we were supposed to be going to film uh, on one of our projects. Remember that? I do. What about it? Well, you see, you don't remember, do you? <laughs> Basically, we agreed to meet up. It was a bank holiday Monday at 7 a.m. in the morning. So uh-huh. we're putting ourselves out to do this, which is fine. And you duly rock up all bright and breezy at about 630 uh, and because uh, you you forgot the time we'd agreed, that was one thing. <laughs> I was just being prompt. Yes, and then we discover that not only have you forgotten to bring the video kit, you've also forgotten to pick it up from the last event that we filmed in. So it's actually <laughs> sitting in the lost property box of some hotel about two counties away. I think that's a bit harsh. Um, and anyway, I didn't leave all of the uh, the kit behind. No, no, just the bit that allows us to record sound. So what were you expecting me to do, mime it? You know, perhaps we could uh, we could make some Marcel Mousseau's Guide to Property Development. What do you think? I think... I'd... I, th- I think we could have dubbed it on afterwards. In fact, that would have been that would have been hilarious. No, no, we couldn't. And and don't change the subject. We're still talking about your iffy memory. I think you're putting two and two together and getting about seventeen, if I'm honest, and and not for the first time. You're not convincing anyone. You do know that, don't you? Okay, let me share an example um, where the boot is on the other foot, shall I? There's nothing wrong with my faculties, uh, you know, mate. I'll tell you what, sharp as a tack they are. Okay, okay. Do you remember, uh, and possibly you don't, on Tuesday when we were having a chat in the kitchen, in the office, and you said, whatever happens, don't use the sink because I've disconnected the dishwasher and so the water just pours (laughs) out onto the cupboard underneath and onto the floor. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, Well, that was different. And then we have some bizarre conversation about chocolate biscuits for for some reason for about all of 30 seconds. And do you remember what you did next? Well, that was just a one-off. You decided to empty the half dozen half-filled coffee cups that were on the side down the, th- the, the, the sink and then you ran the taps yeah, for about 20 you, seconds. You could have said something. Yeah, I must have forgotten. Sorry about that. Anyway, sure. it was quite funny because about 10 seconds later, about half a pint of black coffee deposited itself onto your trousers. <laughs> it, it wasn't funny. And then as luck would have it, uh, this was followed by about, well, you know, about two litres of fresh water, which cleaned things up quite nicely, I thought. So not only had you not remembered something from half a minute ago, it was actually something that you'd said yourself. I mean, how rubbish is that? And I think it's because your brain has worked out over the years that it shouldn't take a blind bit of notice about what comes out of your mouth. So instead, it just ignores it. So I think when it comes to memory loss, you're sitting in the proverbial greenhouse, I'm afraid, my friend. Blimey. Well, that was just a reflex. Nothing to do with having a bad memory. Come to think of it, I wonder if it's a memory problem that lies behind all those kind of test drives you keep having. What what are you going on about now? Well, perhaps you actually keep test driving the same car, but you don't remember. When you you go for a test drive, do all the salesmen give each other a bit of a nudge and a wink when you kind of walk into the showroom? Hello again, Mr. Clapson. Will it be your, your usual today, or are you going to test drive something completely different? Oh, hold on. You've already test driven them all, so that won't work, will it? <laughs> you're, not, you're not even funny, are you? You think you're funny, but you're not even funny. Or perhaps the reason you've got so many cars isn't because you have a, a low boredom threshold, after all, which is what we all thought it was. Perhaps they're all test drives that have gone wrong. You're banging on, aren't you? That, that's it. You took them out for a spin... And then your memory packed up halfway round, so you just went home on autopilot and stuck them in the garage. 
That's it. Perhaps there's a price on your head with all the local dealers. <laughs> Do you look in your garage each day and think, I wonder whose car these are? <laughs> Some cheeky buggers parked yet another car in there with trade plates. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, so maybe we're both as bad as each other. So, so have you remembered uh, what you're supposed to be talking about on today's podcast? Uh, I don't know, something to do with biscuits? Uh, no, uh, let's have another go. <laughs> uh, uh, I know, I know, I know. Okay, okay, let's get started. Let's talk, let's talk about property development work stages, shall we? Let's. I remembered. Okay, what, what I want to talk about today, now you stop banging on, uh, is, is I want to go through um, work stages in, in property development, just to give people a bit, of a, a bit of an overview of what they need to be aware of. So I want to talk about, uh, just touch on to start with why they're important in terms of key milestone dates um, program. Okay. And then I'm going to touch on these work stages, which are all to do with RIBA work stages, which is the Royal Institute of British Architecture. And there is eight stages that you need to understand. I'm going to go through those uh, today just broadly, and I'm going to pick up on three of them, the three key ones that I want you to remember. So why is it important uh, and, and where does it fit into program? Well, in terms of it being a developer, whilst you don't need to get involved in detail programs uh, overall, you know you do need to know the sort of key dates, key milestone dates. When are you starting your project? You know, obviously you're going to know that, and you're going to know when you want to finish your project because you want to know as a developer when you're going to put it into the marketplace to sell it. Obviously, you're going to get that information after you've been speaking to your estate agent, and the you know the, the starting point you're going to get from your solicitors once they think you're going to better complete mm-hmm. on the building. So you've sort of got those two dates, and there's a whole load of things that have to happen in the middle. Now, the important thing here is that you you put down some of the key ones, and the ones that I think you, you need to know is when you're going to appoint the design team. Okay. Then there's a period of, of how long your design team, so your architects, your structural engineers, maybe mechanical, electrical engineers, maybe interior designers, how long all those people need to do the design process before you can then send it out. So the next stage you need is is the tender stage. This is where you send out packs of information, some drawings and specifications, etc., to contractors. Right. And you get those contractors to to price it up. Um, so how do you work out the time in between that? Well, this is where your project manager comes in. So your project manager can probably estimate that uh, between appointing your design team uh, and sending it out to tender, you need six or eight weeks or whatever it might be. Okay. Now, uh, you know, the project manager will probably talk to the architects and the structural engineers and coordinate all of their timings to give you that sort of answer. So that's another key date that you need in there. And it's going to be clear in a minute why you want those key dates. And then the next one is when you start on site. Right. Because when you start on site, that's you know, that's when everything's moving and pretty much you're going to have a, a time scale that, to be on site, which sort of goes down to your finish date. So you've got your finish date at the back end. So if you're on site six months, you can sort of see when you're going to be finished. Is it when you want to be or is it running later or is it running earlier? Now, in terms of finish dates, a lot of the importance of those is when you say deliver it into the market. You don't want to suddenly deliver stuff into the market at Christmas. So, you know, if that's the case, you might want to delay the start on site or you might want to delay the tender process or even appointing a design team because what you'll be doing is incurring finance costs as soon as you start spending money. So, you know, it might be you shift the whole program back a little bit uh, just to take account of that. And again, the start on site and the site duration time, your your project manager will advise you of that in speaking to the individual contractors. 
Okay. So just uh, just rewinding on that then. So we've got the, the key dates, just to recap. Uh, the start date, obviously, is when you when you actually secure the site. You have basically exchange of contracts. Uh, the second date is when you then appoint your design team and they get going. And your, your design team, just to be clear, architects, uh, structural engineers, uh, interior designers, anybody that's involved in, in basically specking out what it is you're going to build. Correct. Uh, then your next date you mentioned was uh, tendering to tendering. contractors. Yep. Uh, then once that's done, you've got a date for starting on site. And then finally, uh, when everything is all finished. Yep. And I think those five key milestone dates, at the very minimum as a developer, you need to get a handle on. So uh, even if you're not very good at programming or, or putting out Excel spreadsheets, having those five key dates in mind is useful. And then in the detail that gets infilled between those can be done by your project manager and your professionals on board, which breaks it down into, into immense detail of how it's all going to come together. Fantastic. Now, why, why are they important? Well, the program dates and the work that your design team does... Uh, it all breaks down into these RIBA stages, REBA, as often called. So I'm going to refer mm-hmm. to it as REBA today, the Royal Institute of British Architecture. So these REBA stages are all done, and, and all, it's all about phasing the design process and, and getting stuff signed off. Now, the uh, the REBA stages, there's there's eight of these, okay? And, and you need to understand these in basic terms as a developer because they'll be talked about. Some of the terminology that we're going to talk about in these eight stages uh, is, is going to be stuff that's banded around in meetings, so you need to be familiar what they are. You can look all this stuff up on the web. You can go on, type in REBA stages, and it'll all come up, and it can tell you these eight stages. So the eight stages that you go through, I'm going to read them out. So if, uh, if people are listening to this podcast, you might want to replay it again and grab a pen and write these down. But uh, the first one is, it's often called stage zero, and it's strategic definition stage. Strategic definition. And that is the stage that we actually define with the professional what it is we want to do. We're trying to refurb and build uh, five flats. We're trying to take this existing site and put a brand new building on it with seven houses or whatever it might be. So it's a real high-level overview of the project. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's just that basic definition. What's the strategy for this? What is it we're trying to do? Okay. The next stage then comes in, which is stage one, which is preparation and brief. So you've got to brief your team. You've Mm -hmm. got to tell them what it is you're trying to do. So you actually now, in a lot more detail, you take that strategic definition and you prepare it into a brief. What is it I'm trying to achieve? Now, this brief can be uh, informed maybe by the uh, estate agent. So the estate agent might say, yeah, absolutely, we want high-end kitchens, granite worktops, you know, that's the sort of things that we want in this residential unit that would go into your brief. You know, if you want certain size units now, regardless of national space standards, if a state agent says to you, yep, no, we want to get really big bedrooms in these because these are downsizers, really big lounges because these are downsizers. That's what you want to do. So this all forms part of your brief. The next stages are the ones I'm going to delve into a little bit more today. Uh, Stage two is called concept design. I'm going to delve into that in a minute. Stage three is developed design. Stage four is technical design. So I'm going to go into those in a little bit more detail in a minute. But just to give you the other three remaining stages, five is construction. That is what it says on the tin. It's actually building the thing out. Six is handover and closeout. 
So this is actually handing over the project, the snagging, uh, the final bits and pieces, and, and all handing over the final paperwork and the certificates, everything signed off. And there is a third stage, which sometimes architects can get involved in, which is called number seven, which is called in use. Right. Now, this is more appropriate and more applicable to commercial buildings. So if you were developing a commercial building um, uh, and you're, you know, as a developer, you're going to hold this, then you're going to get people in it. They're going to occupy it and they're going to use it. So there is a stage which is called in use where they can come back and look at it. And is it performing as expected? Does it perform in accordance with the brief? If not, what do we do? What do we need to tweak? Okay. So there's these eight stages that you should be familiar of. But the stages I want to go through today, I want to go through concept design, developed and technical design. Can I just ask one quick question, Richie? In terms of the, the, how generic these uh, rebirth work plan stages are in the industry, will all of your professional team be very familiar with these? Oh, absolutely. Well, they should be. If they're not, then I'd, I'd go and find a different one. Right. They'll all be familiar with these, although I'm going to touch on it in a minute. They they're sometimes are called different things because uh, the names have changed over the years. And so some engineers, some architects, uh, some project managers will perhaps refer to them as different things, but generally they are the same. So these stages is pretty much what most people in the industry will refer to. So as a developer, well worth going on the Reba website and just getting familiar with these so that you're we're all talking the same language absolutely yeah yeah you need to and there's a lot of information on there but uh, just look at the basic information and concentrate on these three these three stages here now why is that well okay concept and develop design are the stages remember we talked about those milestone dates mm-hmm. when you appoint your design team and when you go out to tender so concept and develop design are those stages where your design team is working together producing the the drawings the calculations the specifications the details to send out to the contractor this is the full interpretation of your of your brief what it is that you envisage as a developer you know, informed by maybe your estate agent or whoever else you're working with and this is then the 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 taking of this and turning it into a set of information that's going to be priced okay now the important thing about these stages is they're all about gateways so the strategic definition is worked upon by you and maybe with your architect and you may be your project manager and then you sign that off yeah and you don't move forward to the stage of preparation and brief until you sign it off and once you've got your brief you sign that off so you as the developer you sign it off physically you should go in and sign it off say that's it that's the brief i'm happy with and these stages are very similar because what you don't want to do is you don't want to go through concept and develop design send the whole thing out to tender the prices come back and they're way over what you expected. Then you look at it and go, well, that's not what I wanted. Yeah, That doesn't match. So they, these, these stages are here for you to, to sign it off and for the team to come together. So to make sure that the team is coordinated. So the architect and the structural engineer, particularly uh, as long maybe with a mechanical electrical engineer, have coordinated designs. So everybody's on the same page or at least they must be on the same page when they sign off at each gateway absolutely yeah so and it gives you a chance to go back and, and if they're not so it, it stops you wasting time and it stops you wasting fees so you, what you don't want is you don't want your architect running away on technical design and your structural engineer not even started concept design right. trust me that happens yeah. so you do you want to make sure it doesn't so concept um, design, you know, follows on from all the feasibility studies um, and it pays real attention to the project brief. It pulls the whole thing together. You'll often hear it called scheme design. That was the title mm-hmm. it used to be. Yep. And, and, and I prefer that title because it's about the scheme. Yeah. It's the scheme we're trying to do. I concept works. Maybe I'm just a bit old fashioned, but I do like the You're word. You're a bit old fashioned. Yeah, that, that aside, that aside. <laughs> um, 
but basically they're the same. Scheme design and concept design are fundamentally the same, the same sort of thing. And so the team have got to come together, uh, as I say, as one and possibly probably with the cost consultant, if you've got a cost consultant on board, because you want to make sure the concept design is, is costed out and it matches your budget yeah. of what you're trying to expend because you know what your budget is because you've got all your finances, you've done your deal analysis. So it's important that they're in there as well. And at each of these stages, there's deliverables. So if I just sort of pick the basic deliverables at this stage, you're probably going to get an outline specification. Mm -hmm. So this is taking your basic brief and putting an outline specification for all the elements that's going to make up your building. Some of them might be a bit technical, so that you're not going to pay too much attention to those, but a lot of them will be applicable to you. So it might tell you what sort of doors you're going to get in. It might tell you the sort of kitchens, the bathrooms, if it's a residential building. So it's an outline specification for you to say, yeah, that's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm hoping for in here. It might have a accommodation schedules in there now particularly important if you're going to do a permitted development scheme you know you want to make sure as a developer that you're not you've not got an architect who's designed you a scheme with sub 30 square meter units yes uh, this will be the time you pick it up so you get accommodation schedule uh, for for each of the each of the flats if you were doing flats or if it's a commercial building you'll get one for that so mm-hmm. you can sign that off at this date yeah i'm happy with that they're all above 30 square meters i'm happy to go there could be a buildability review. This could be something that you've put together. The project manager could have a look at it because sometimes, and believe it or not, you know, as professionals, people design stuff which is actually quite difficult to build. Yeah. If it's quite difficult to build, it's going to be costly. Mm-hmm. And, that, of course, that might affect your budget. Now, you know, that net perhaps comes in at this stage. It could be you, you get a local builder who might be on the tender list just to have a look over what you've done at this concept stage. Yeah. So have a quick look at it. T- tell me if there's anything that jumps out of you in here that you think we could build cheaper. So it's not about the design; it's what we could build cheaper. And interestingly, that's one thing that um, that that you pick, one picks up from experience. And I've noticed how uh, experienced developers and, and yourself, a good case in point, uh, look at an opportunity actually just on the basic opportunity stage where you're just considering it. Um, you get into that frame of mind where you're looking at a site, and you might have the floor plan in mind, but actually you can see by looking at the site there's going to be some difficulties in getting access or the the the, the, the the, the way the uh, where it's positioned in relation and to how you're going to build it yeah. yeah so absolutely and i think i think that's where as as a new developer this is where you leverage your skills you know you're the ceo of a new development company mm. um you, you, your architect your structural engineer your project manager you know they're all capable of looking at that but why not bring a builder in as well because if the builder's the one that's going to build it yeah get their opinion at this stage and you can do that you're going to get a whole bunch of concept drawings from each discipline so you can have a look through those now as a new developer you might not be that familiar with drawings but you want to get used to it get used to looking at drawings ask the stupid questions it comes in you know a huge amount of our podcasts the five whys yeah ask the five whys well why is this why is that why is and so on and don't be afraid to and don't absolutely if you don't understand it ask because these are the drawings which are is interpreting your brief yeah and of course the more you ask the more drawings you see the more you're going to get familiar with it you're not trying to be an expert but you're just trying to understand it and of course you're probably going to get a cost plan at this stage um you're going to maybe looking at procurement options so how you're going to go out so remember we, we, we've talked in a previous podcast about two-stage tendering and stuff Stuff. it's you know how you how you phase the project whether you go out to tender at a different stage and of course what might come in here is planning strategy so you might not have got all your planning sorted at this stage it could be a, a phase planning route well you're going to revisit the here at the concept stage at the end of the concept stage and does that is that all still applicable or has something now changed maybe now the architects looked at the layouts there's a bit of a problem we can't get that sixth flat in or whatever it might be yeah 
So at the end of this concept design stage, uh, you want to have a sign-off. So yep. you have a meeting, you're going to go through everything, ask all those all those daft questions that you're allowed to ask and sign it off and then move on uh, to the develop design stage. Okay. Now, uh, develop design used to be called detailed design. And I quite like that. Uh, I prefer that in a way because it's adding basically much more detail into the information you had. It's not fundamentally changing anything from concept. It shouldn't be unless that's agreed. Of course, if you sign stuff off, you could sign it off on the basis that there are changes that are being instructed. Yep. But generally, it's adding more detail onto the process. So you know, there's going to be a, a lot more deliverables that come in at this stage in terms of a lot more detail, but similar sort of stuff. So it's taken that whole process, it's moved it on quite a stage. And this is the stage you're probably going to tender the documents out on right so this is where you send the documents out so at the end of the developed design stage you pretty much need to make sure that everything that has a cost is indicated on the drawings and on the specifications so then we're going to move on to developed design and the term developed design was often called detailed design mm-hmm. i sort of i prefer that in a way it's a title i prefer uh, because it, it says you know on the team what it does it's actually putting a lot more detail into the information a lot more deliverables that you're going to send out to tender so it's this stage it's the developed design stage where we actually send out packages of drawings and specifications and details to contractors and ask them to price our project so everything that that we've done at concept stage which is signed off you know if we had alterations or instructions to change things have now all been incorporated uh, they're not built they're not drawings that you can build from so they won't be fully set out all the dimensions won't be there not every bit of specification but anything that has a cost implication that if it wasn't there the contractor couldn't price it needs to be there so all needs to be pulled together on okay. that basis that there's going out a tender you're going to get a fixed price possible lump sum type contract on this well, you need it to be right because the contractor's putting a number to this. This is what he's going to contract with you to build for you know for, for what's on those drawings. And so if it's not on the drawings or if it's incorrect or he's misinterpreted it because it wasn't clear, you're going to get things come back at you yeah. uh, and, and potential delays, potential additional costs, even just clarifying sometimes you know what was there uh, could cause you a delay in additional cost yeah. so your developed design needs to be really carefully thought out and controlled so this is where you're know, having a really good architect on board a good structural engineer mechanical electrical consultant and a really good project manager pulling the whole thing together reviewing the whole thing is really important i think that's um there's a point there going back to the five wires again uh, where when you're looking at that document if you don't understand it don't think that oh it's been written by the architect, therefore it's probably right. I just don't understand it. <laughs> There's a chance that actually the contractor might not understand it either. Maybe it isn't clear. So that's where you do need to ask your five wires and make sure that it's absolutely nailed on and everybody knows exactly what's being built. 100%. I mean, the, the, this should be a final meeting. Now, a lot of projects don't have this, but this should be a sign-off meeting. You should have, a, even on a small project, a good half-day set aside for this where you can pour over the drawings. And sometimes as a, as a fresh new developer coming in, Asking a daft question, and, I, and I've sat there in my structural engineering days with a developer who, who's been relatively new, and they've asked a question, and we thought, oh, yeah, 
Good point. Mm. We've missed that yeah. because because they've got a fresh set of eyes, yeah. whereas the professional team are often living and breathing that scheme yeah. and, and, and perhaps sometimes overlook something. So it's really important to, to have a meeting, sit down, pour over the drawings and just ask, what's this, what's that? Now, yes, you're entrusting a huge amount of that to your maybe your project manager and your professional team to look at it. They're cross-checking each other, so the structural engineers looking at the architects and the architects mm-hmm. looking at the structural engineers and so on. So they are looking at that. And of course, you've got a cost consultant in there, could be the project manager who's reviewing the whole cost exercise and they're reviewing the cost exercise back to the concept design because don't remember we had a cost plan at that stage you can have an updated cost plan here potentially and perhaps they're also going to go back to this, the preparation and brief so they're constantly going back to look at what have we done what are we where are we at now because if the cost plan at this stage suddenly shoots up and we've had that where your detailed design or developed design as it's now called is suddenly much more expensive you don't want to send it out to tender. There's yes. no point. Yep. You've got to go back and rethink and maybe redesign, trim some stuff out, lower some specifications. So this is the time to do it. And again, in here comes, uh, you know, we look at programming. Uh, we look at all the detail specifications, another buildability review, uh, and, of course, a planning update. So maybe we've now got all the planning because equally, again, if you if you if you were having another second, sort of second stage of planning and you haven't now got that, which could be, you know, we could be four weeks on or six weeks on from the end of the concept design, well, maybe there's a problem with that. Maybe planning's been refused. Yes. And maybe we've got to go back and redesign. Yeah. So basically, at the end of developed design, we want to be in a position where everything can go out to tender and we're pretty much covered and we know we've got everything nailed on. Okay, we've got contingency, but we don't want to use that for, for errors and stuff that we've, we've omitted. Okay, so that's concept design and developed design. And so the final one I want to pick up is technical design. So this is the stage um, which is often referred to as construction drawings. And again, I, I prefer that title. There's a, there's a trend there, isn't there? There is a trend. You like the old-fashioned stuff. I just like the old-fashioned way. Because, it, I mean, it is. They're construction drawings. They're drawings that you need to build from. Yeah. And, and at this stage should be 100% complete before the contractor starts work on site. Yeah. Don't get tempted in. It's, it's, it's just a mistake if you do. Get tempted in to start on site when your design team hasn't finished all the drawings. Okay, because you get caught out, you know, they end up rushing. And uh, so it's better sometimes just have another couple more weeks to get all the information on there. And this is often things like last little bit of dimensions, additional cross sections and details just to show the contractor everything, how he needs to build it. Sure, there's going to be a few questions come back from the contractor on clarification, but your design team need to just have the appropriate amount of time to make sure they've pretty much got everything nailed on. Otherwise, the contractor starts. He's got a dimension missing or he's trying to interpret something or he can't understand the detail. He sends a request off for information that goes over to, say, maybe your architect, your architects. Well, he's tied up at a meeting for a couple of days, you know, he and then it just slows the whole thing down. And potentially you end up with a claim for delays from the contractor. Almost certainly. Almost yeah. certainly. So you've got to have um, a really good set of information when you go out for tender, for tender design. Um, and, and it's got to be coordinated. So this is where your team's got to work together. So quite often your architect might be your lead consultant and there's a responsibility there. Sometimes you've got to pay a bit of extra fee for this to make sure that they are coordinating all the drawings. So they're going to check everything on the structural engineer's drawings and make sure all actually ties up with theirs. This doesn't stop the structural engineer checking the same thing, but maybe you often have a lead consultant and they do the same thing on the mechanical and electrical drawings, make sure everything is working. Maybe if there's interior design, just tying the whole lot together. 
And and normally, again, there's going to be an update, a probable final sign-off meeting before this pack of drawings goes across to the contractor. Um, and it may be a bit of a bit of final buildability review. You'd sit down with the contractor because you've probably got a contractor at that stage. So they're on board. You know, they've been appointed based on the uh, developed design. Uh, they're on board and you do a final check through everything before you actually press the button you mobilize the contractor and get them on site so really important that basically that pack of drawings that you send out at that stage it should have minimal clarification needed to move forward pretty much everything should be there otherwise you are in a real you know problematical situation where you're potentially going to get claims and so on so there we are. That's uh, just a bit of an overview uh, of, uh, first of all, the key milestone dates I think it's important to know. And that was the sort of, uh, you know, when you start, when you appoint your design team, when you tender to contractors that start on site and the finish, get those dates. And then how the, the RIBA stages, REBA stages fit into that, and particularly the concept developed and technical design stages which you really must be familiar with and understand that you're the developer it's your prerogative to not let the project move forward and only let it move forward when you signed off those stages fantastic richie thank you so much i think a couple of things that really stand out for me in that one is uh, how great it is that that reba framework is is kind of consistent that everybody's working to exactly the same framework so as a new developer you're able to use yeah, that yeah. as a great starting point you're not reliant on having decades of knowledge and experience to be able to work out what's going on there's actually a framework there that's already set up for you to work to i think that's so important and well worth the investment of time just having a look at that because reba make a point of making it very easy to understand don't they they've, they've kind of gone to a lot of trouble to be able to uh, you can see on their website exactly how all those things uh, fit together even you could understand it, I even think. i could understand it it's, it's, it's that simple um and uh, i think the other thing that's a kind of uh standout for me when you're talking about the the technical design making sure that it's fully complete before the contractor starts on site i think a lot of developers get caught up with the the timing issue time is of course money and it's great to crack on and of course there's a certain amount of stuff you can see how progress can be made and things done in parallel but at the end of the day if you end up in that situation where the contractor needs to know the answer and you haven't been able to get clarification because the technical technical design isn't actually finished then of course that's where you end up with delays and and of course that's going to be uh, yeah as i said subject to getting claims uh, from your contractor who's actually stuck because he's got nothing mm, to do. He's absolutely. waiting for your uh, your design team to basically give him more information. Richie, absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for in this episode. Join us again next time when we'll be giving you the inside track on yet another part of the property world. In the meantime, please feel free to check out the other episodes uh, and you can visit our website, which is at propertyceo.co.uk. But until next time, it's goodbye from us both. Goodbye.